guys, thanks for tuning in to the Axiom Youth Podcast. This lesson is being taught by Brother Jared Turner. This lesson is entitled Access to the Power. We hope you enjoy. The book of Ephesians, and I want to pull out one thing that I think that it helps to be reminded of as Christians, and I think it will help us as a youth group to be reminded of this um, very frequently. Um, how many have ever heard of the verse Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. How many have ever heard that verse before? It's a, it's a very, very common verse. And so, of all of the verses of Ephesians, uh, that's probably the most uh, quoted verse, unless you are a parent, and then you quote chapter 6, verse number 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. How many, had, has anybody ever quote, had a mom quote that to you or a grandparent? I mean, they just get that finger out there. Children, I mean, you can you can never hear a mom preach before. But they, when you don't clean your room and whips out Ephesians 6 on you, that basically means if you're not following the Bible, your soul's in jeopardy, right? So the cleanliness of your room, your soul's hanging in the balance right there. As they bring that down heavy on you, yeah. But other than that, I would say Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20 is what is probably the most common verse from Ephesians. But it is a theme throughout the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians that Paul is stressing this exceeding abundantly above. He piles the... See, I'm an English major, and so I, I do like I do like language. All right, any phones put away? Or I'll do the basket out like on Wednesday nights. All right, so no phones. Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above, right? So he kind of piles these things on. Exceeding modifies abundantly, and then above modifies all, which is referring to what we could ask or think. So it's just like these piling of words, Right, just piled up, piled up, piled up, piled up to try to get these Christians, people that already believe, to understand what God can do. Because I think Paul recognizes, and I see it so much in my own life and in the life of our church, that most people don't fully understand what God can do. They don't fully take advantage of what they have given you, what God has given you. You don't to fully take advantage of everything that is available to us. So we're going to look now at some verses uh, in Ephesians chapter number 3, and we're going to look at this theme, and I, I want to just emphasize one point to you, and then I'm going to be done, and I'm going to give you one point one application. One point, one application. Ephesians chapter 3, at the beginning of the chapter, we're going to be looking at verse number 3. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, 
whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So he said, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. So Paul said, I, I wrote to you and I told you something that was a mystery. I told you something that had been revealed to me. Now, we're going to pay attention to verse number five, and then I'm going to get to my one point, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and the same, of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ by the gospel. Verse 5 again, which in other ages was not made known. There was a time when the power of God was not available to everybody. There was a time when the gift of the Holy Ghost was not poured out and not just everybody could receive the power of the Holy Ghost. There was a time when revelation was not available. But that Paul is reminding these people that he is writing to the church at Ephesus and by the I, the power that God put in his word, he is reminding us thousands of years later that what we have access to has not always been available. What you have access to has not always been available. So if you have access to a limited resource, you should feel, first of all, gratitude. And second of all, you should use what you have access to because it's not always available and it hasn't always been available to everybody, but it is available to us. I, I've never had it used personally on me, but I've seen it done or my grandparents have had it used on them where if you were uh, not wanting to eat the food that was set in front of you as a little kid, and the parents used the guilt trip of like people in, you know, wherever Africa don't have this kind of food, you should be thankful. Or people in India don't have this, you know, don't have enough to eat, you should be grateful. I mean, I've heard that. My grandparents said that their parents used to put that guilt trip on them. Or my grand great grandparents grew up in the Depression and they would have to walk home from school at lunchtime so their friends wouldn't know that they didn't have anything to eat because it was times were tough, right? And so that was a rule at my grand, when my grandpa was growing up that what was said in front of him, he ate or mama was going to get mad and talk about this wasn't always available. So I don't care if you don't like lima beans, you're choking every one of these down because I would have given anything for a lima bean when I was in school and here you are and it wasn't always available so you better be thankful and you better use what I've put down in front of you because it sustains you and it gives you life and if you didn't have it you would be hurting if it wasn't available you would realize how bad it hurts to miss it right so don't take it for granted have you ever heard that kind of line of reasoning don't take it for granted be thankful for we just came through thanksgiving in a and a season of thanks because it's important to realize that not everybody is as blessed as we are no matter what hardship you have in your life somebody has it worse 
Somebody's going through without the supports that you have in this room because no matter what, you all have a lot of support. First of all, you have each other. You have a church that loves you, a pastor that loves you, youth team that loves you, young adults that pour into you and make it possible for you to go to events. So you've got a lot of people fighting for you. So I'm just going to just kind of go on a side there and say, don't take what you have for granted. I know sometimes life is tough and you go through challenges and struggles and things, but you've got a lot going for you. And if you just kind of wake up and say that not everybody has this kind of support team around you, then you need to go ahead and buck up a little bit and say, I'm going to make it. I can live for God because I've got people that love me and are praying for me and are surrounding me and supporting me. But more than any of that, you've got access to something that is powerful. You've got access to something that is greater than any human could ever give. And it was not always available, but the good news is it's available to you today. It's available to you, and I'm talking about the power of the Spirit. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. And ultimately, this is the number one thing that keeps Christians in church, is if they have the access to the power. If they have access to that strength that changes their motivation and that changes why they do what they do and urges them and pushes them to live for God, that's how they live for God. Because you are ultimately going to do exactly what you want to do. That's going to be it. You are going to do what you want to do. You can do what you don't want to do for a little while. But you cannot do what you don't want to do for your whole life. Eventually, you're going to quit. You, you, you're going to do what you uh, what you want to do. That's, that's, that's why God created us with free will. right? Because he wanted people to serve him. Not that we're forced, but that wanted to be there. That's why slavery in any form is a tragedy. And it, it oppresses everybody that has ever been put under that bondage of slavery. Because it goes against how God created the human beings to be free. Because you can do what you don't want to do for a little while, but eventually your soul's going to cry out, I must be free. I'm going to do what I want to do. So then how do you live for God if you don't want to live for God? It's impossible. You will be lost if you do not want to be saved. The number one thing that you need to have in your life to be saved, Brother Dalton, is the desire to be saved is the desire to live for God because that's how you live for God for, for 50, 60 years is you have the want to. I want to live for God. Do you think I do what I do be, just because I'm forced to? Just because I'm afraid that if I don't live for God that uh, you know some bad thing might happen to me? I, I know I'm, I don't really, that's not really why I do what I do. That kind of negative thing, it doesn't always work. You know why, why I live for God and why I get up every day and why I come here and why I organize youth events and why I'm the youth pastor? It's because I want to do it. Because it's in my heart. Because it's what I like doing. It's, I desire to do that. You know why I don't do worldly things and I don't, I don't go to you know, drink or bars or hang out or you know, gallivant around, vandalize things out being a Christian? Because I don't want to do that stuff. It doesn't even appeal to me. You know why I don't watch you know, worldly movies? Because I don't like them. 
It's not because I'm so holy and like I want to see every PG-13 movie that ever that Hollywood ever produces. I think they're dumb. I don't I don't like them. So yeah, I have there is sometimes when I have some some self-discipline to not do that. But you know, but you know why I, I don't do it? It's not just because I'm super, super disciplined. It's because I don't I don't want to. Because something has happened to me that has changed the desires of my heart. Because something, something got a hold of me. Something began to work in my spirit. So it's not just like, you know, I, I don't really watch football games. I, I don't. I, I haven't watched a football game in years. And it's not because I think football is inherently evil. But it is because I just don't desire it. Because I used to like it more. But something began to happen in my life. And something began to change in my life. And all of a sudden, what I liked kind of shifted a little bit. I've always loved God, but as you progress and the power of the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you, things shift. Now, you're not going to be able to make it very long in church just out of a sense of duty. But we live in an area, and I know I talk about it a lot, but it's so true, where people feel a duty to go to church. So they may be at church on a Sunday morning, but church doesn't change their everyday life. Atheists and, and Baptists and Christians and Episcopals and some Pentecostals even, it, their life looks just like everybody else's. They watch the same movies, they listen to the same music, they dress the exact same. There's just really no difference at all. And they may be good, basic, decent people, but you know, I, when I went to university, I met a lot of atheists that were good, basic, decent people. And some that were even a little, I thought, a little more ethical and a little more friendly and a little more kind than some Christians that I knew. They were a little more faithful to their wife and they were a little more courteous of others and a little bit better with working with people, right? So, I mean, you, good, you can find good people anywhere, right? The world is full of all kinds of different people. So cause you, Because you cannot just out of duty say, oh, I feel like I need to be in church and then go on a Sunday and then that's it. That's why you live for God. No, it's not going to keep you. You're going to let things slide. You're not, you're not going to be what God wants you to be just by doing it out of, uh, I have to. You've got to want to. You've got to want to live for God. So we've got to inspire you to want to live for God. We, I can't just correct you all the time, right, and make punishment for you if you don't line up because that's not going to keep you in church because eventually you're going to graduate from this youth group and you're going to leave your mama's house and you're going to leave your daddy's house and there's going to be very few people to correct you because you're going to be on your own. So then who are you, what are you going to do? You're going to live for God because you want to because you're going to have that choice. So how, this is my application now, how do I want to live for God, right? So my point was you cannot live for God unless you want to. And then the second thing is how do I want to? How do I want to? And this is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians when he says there's something available to you that makes you want to. There's something available that makes you want to. And what I mentioned in there in Ephesians chapter 1 Paul says in verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 1 that I, he ceases not to give thanks, making mention of them, the church. So you're going to be the church today. 
making mention of you in his prayers because by extension, you are included in this group because you are the church. So Paul's saying, I, I give thanks for you and I, I mention you, the church, in my prayers that the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. So now this spirit, Paul said, the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I'm going to give to you makes you understand that there is hope in the calling of God. That there is something out there for you, not in this world, but in the voice of God calling you to do something for him. There's hope in that calling. And what riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What inheritance. You, how many know what the word inheritance means? How many know what the word inheritance means? Okay, somebody give it to me. Gavin, you want to give it to me? What's, what's the word inheritance mean? Anybody? One of you that raised your hand and said you know what it means. What's it mean? Okay, Haley. Passes it down to you. And, and generally, Haley, is it something good? Well, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. No, it's not. It's not just like, you know, your bigger, your older brother outgrows something. And so you get an inheritance. Yeah, but it has a different connotation. What is it? Is it something good? Land. Yeah. Or it's like some, like a house, a building or what? Money. Yeah. When you think of inheritance, you think of like money. Right. That people get a lot of money because their parents pass it on to them. And so just think if you had access, let's just say your dad was a billionaire or your grandfather was a billionaire and, and passed away and and left you a billion dollars, a billion dollars would. And all you had to do was take your little ID, your little picture ID, down to the lawyer's office and say, I am so-and-so's grandchild, and I am listed on his will for a billion dollars. And they would write you a check for a billion dollars. What if you never went and cashed it in? What if you never went and claimed it? What if you never went and just did what was required of you to say, this is my inheritance. Because you despised the inheritance. Because you hated your grandfather and you said, I'm not going to even take his money now. And so you just walked away from it. That, see, that would be harder for us. That would be hard for us to do, right? There would have to be some really deep-seated hatred for you to pass up on a billion dollars. Right, because we can see it. it it's material. It's, it's, it, 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 helps us in our, it helps us in our material life. But you see, there is a spiritual inheritance, Brother Gavin, that Jesus has passed to you. There is a spiritual inheritance that helps you live for God. But we leave it at the bank. We neglect our inheritance because we despise or we must despise the inheritance giver. We look and we say, God has no value for my life, so I'm going to leave it right there. 
Now, wouldn't that, doesn't that seem silly when you compare it, right? If, if you compare it and think about it in terms of material life, a billion dollars, it would be ridiculous to just leave it sitting up there because it really doesn't cost you anything to go access it. But we leave a spiritual inheritance because it's not material and we can't see it. But I'm here to tell you that you say, Brother Jared, how do I want to live for God? You access your spiritual inheritance. You access the power of the Holy Ghost. You go and you cash that check that God has written for you to say that I can give you the power to want to live for me. I can give you the power to get what you truly are called to do out of your life. Because in the will of God, that's where the hope is. That's where the peace is. I'm not saying there's not happiness or, you know, so, some uh, worldly success outside of the will of God. Yeah, there are plenty of people that are generally happy. But there's, you're not because you have already tasted and you have already experienced. It's too late for you. God has already put a calling on your life. And nothing is going to satisfy unless you fulfill the hope of his calling. And the only way you're going to do that is if you have the want to. And the only way you're going to have the want to is if you live and get filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Paul said, I want you to know the exceeding greatness of God's power. Verse 19, to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. There's that phrase repeated again, exceeding greatness. He wants you to understand this is not just power and it's not just great power, but it exceeds power. It exceeds even great power. It is exceeding greatness of his power to us. To you. You have the power to live for God, but you've got to access that power in the, in the ability to pray and have a relationship with God. Because He has something for you, Brother Dalton, but, is, but everything that He has for you in your future is in a relationship with Him. Everything that God has for me in my future is in a relationship with God, in the power of the Holy Ghost, in the anointing of God. There is no future outside of that relationship for God for me. Why? Because God has called me and there is a hope of a calling on my life that I have to access by a relationship with God. And we have to access as a youth group by a relationship with God. And we've got to have the Spirit moving in our youth services. We've got to have young people that get the Holy goes in youth service because you know what that's how you're going to make it that's how you can bring friends from church and and see them come in to not just the church right where they come and sit on the back pew and kind of enjoy themselves and eat chips and go home no but where they come into the kingdom and they say i have now a desire and the things that i used to desire paul said i i hate them now and the things that i used to hate i now love why because i came in contact with god i came in contact with him and he spoke to me and i was filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And Paul says, I speak in tongues more than you all, not to boast, but to say it is a good thing to pray and let the power of the Holy Ghost move on you. And I would argue it is the only thing that's going to help you live for God. It's the only way you're going to live for God. It's not the only way you're going to attend church, but it's the only way you're going to be a part of the kingdom. You can attend church without the Holy Ghost, but you cannot be in 
the kingdom without the Holy Ghost. You can sit on the pew without the Holy Ghost, but you cannot be what God's called you to be without the Holy Ghost. You can have some modicum of success in this world, but that success will end at the date of your death or the date that Jesus returns. But the way that your success goes on into the hope of a calling of God to fulfill it for his kingdom after you die and or after the Lord comes back as if you have the Holy Ghost. And we've got to see our young people filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. You've got to live in the power of the Holy Ghost. You know how you have arrived to another level of Christian maturity is when you speak in tongues and nobody else is around and you are at home or you are alone in your prayer room and God begins to touch you and feel, you know, that's available to you, but you've got to access it. You know how you access it? You pray. You know how you have find the desire to pray? You've got to kind of push back some things. And yes, it takes some discipline, but you know what? You're not going to, God's not really going to compete with you. You're not going to start speaking in tongues watching YouTube. Right? You're not going to start speaking in tongues playing Fortnite. Right? You're going to have to push away some things. You're going to have to say, I'm going to separate myself and I'm going to access what God has for me. Right? And if you ever get there, see, it's this kind of dichotomy. Right? Maybe let's go back to our inheritance example. Maybe they just said, hey, you need to go downtown and see this lawyer about something. And you thought, well, I'm busy. I've got other things to do. And you didn't know that that lawyer had access to a billion dollars for you. You would feel pretty dumb at the end of your life if you found out that you you live scraping things together and all you had to do was walk down and take a little time out of your schedule, right? And slide your, your ID across the table and there would be a check written to you for a billion dollars. You would feel pretty dumb. Well, you are going to feel pretty dumb at the judgment seat when God said, I called you. You could have been used by me. I had this great life planned out for you where you would be filled with purpose and your life would be filled with meaning and I was going to give you the strength and the power to get it done and all you had to do was push back for a little bit and repent. You say, well, God, I had this sin problem. I would have forgiven you if you would have just paused to repent. And then I would have given you the strength not to slide back into that mess that gives you anxiety and keeps you up at night and makes you hate yourself and feel like you're worthless and no good. God said, I can forgive you of that, but you've got to access me. You've got to just take a little time and push back for just a moment and pray. It's an opportunity. You know, holiness is an opportunity. It's not a rule book. You get to be faithful to your spouse. And your child has the privilege of growing up in a two-parent home where they love each other and they love that child. You know, that's a gift from God by following His Word. You know what a gift of the world is? is brokenness. And young men growing up on the street corner because they had no father to teach them any authority and respect and getting end up shot by the police over some sort of traffic violation because they can't even say yes, sir, because they've never had a man look at them and tell them what to do because their father is absent completely, has never been there for them at all. That's what this world gives you. That's what doing whatever you want gets you. But you know what? It's a blessing to live in holiness. And we cannot do it on our own. You've got to have the Holy Ghost to live in holiness. So you don't get think of it as rule book. But think of it as I get to do this. I get to have the blessing and the peace of God on my life. In a day and age when so many people are filled with anxiety. And your generation is committing suicide in numbers that are making government officials stop and say, we've got to do something about this. Why are our young people committing suicide? Because, there, because holiness is a gift that brings hope. 
There's hope in the call of God on your life. You say, Brother Jared, I am so frustrated right now. I feel that. I feel your frustration. But you know why you're frustrated? It's because you're not yielding to what God's trying to do. And God's called you and you're fighting it. God's called you and you're fighting it. And yes, you're frustrated. And yes, your life's not working. Why? Because it's too late for you just to live a normal life. Because God's called you. Because you're here and you're not here by accident. God's called you. And so your life will always, always, always be frustrated. Maybe somebody else could just live along, bob along, and not really make it. But, but not you. Because God's called you. And there's a hope in that calling. But if you frustrate that vision, if you don't access it, you're going to always feel that. What am I doing? What's going on in my life? And just pushing back. And I feel your frustration. And I'm telling you the answer is to repent. The answer is to access that power that God has for you. And I promise if you could just ever take the time to do it. And the first time that you're on your own and you ask God, help me. And the power of the Holy Ghost shows up. You will know that I was telling you the truth. You will say, I'm so thankful somebody told me that this was available to me. Just like you would feel when that billion dollar check comes sliding across the table. I'm thankful somebody told me that I had an inheritance. So I'm here to tell you that you have an inheritance today. And you've got to access it. You have an inheritance today, but you've got to access it. That's the only way you're going to fulfill what God's called you to do. And because you're here, and because you are who you are, it's too late for you not to fulfill the call of God. It's the gifts and callings of God are what? Without repentance. That's a blessing. But it's also kind of haunting. Because I've been there. At the precipice of giving up the call that God had on my life. It's not a fun place to be. Because you will never forget what God's done for you. And every day that you live away from him, there'll be that. that It's really a gift. You need to be back. You need to be back. You need to access my forgiveness. You need to access my grace. You need to access my mercy.